welcome to the Making Laps Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 11 of the Making Laps podcast. I am your host, Brent Gleason. Sitting in studio with me is my co-host and also my wife, Megan McGorry Gleason, because my brother Jesse is out sick this week. He didn't want to come on because he sounded like a dying horse, apparently. And Phil was indisposed and unavailable tonight, so he couldn't come on via phone or in studio. Boy, that almost sounds dirty. Indisposed? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're parents, so disposed kind of sounds dirty, as in, like, dirty diapers. Uh, my mind went the complete opposite wow, direction of that Wow, I guess so. One. That's not where I went. <laughs> anyway, hi, I like cars. <laughs> she does now, at least. <laughs> I've, I've always liked driving. I've forced her. No, I didn't force her to. She did it all on her own. Anyway, our our show is available on apple google spotify stitcher anchor and a whole host of other podcast platforms as my hosting platform anchor has just let me know and i couldn't even name half of them if you asked me to so basically we're available pretty much anywhere if you go look for us we are available on instagram at making laps podcast facebook.com slash making laps podcast twitter hasn't fixed our feed yet which i'm going to keep blaming them for but it's just me um so anyway we want to send our well wishes out to Ryan Newman, who was released from the hospital in between airings of our episodes and literally within 48 hours of his incident at Daytona, which is not only surprising, but just shocking because we didn't think that he was even going to live through it. And here he is two days later, walking right out of the hospital. I know I'll be touching on him a little bit later on in the show, but that's a good thing to see. That was one of the best things, like totally made my day that day. Yeah, when I sent her a text message, she's like, that made my day. And I'm like, well, it made my day, too, because yep. I thought he was dead. So anyway, I'm just glad for that. Um, otherwise, uh, I will keep you all posted on efforts on my car, which I completely lied about keeping track of it on Facebook and Instagram and stuff. I, I rarely ever post any progress reports on the race car for the New Hampshire Motor Speedway race. If you want an idea of how much he's been working on this car, he's been in the garage like every single day for like weeks, weeks, and it's just like he's racing a full season again. And I haven't really gotten anywhere, which is just like normal. So freezing in the garage. Oh, it's so cold. Oh, why do I do this to myself? Oh, well, I do have a heater. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I enjoy doing it. That's why I do it. Um. But no, we're making some progress. Uh, I've gotten a lot of things lined up. I'm trying to work out a few things that are going to be a terrible pain for the future. I know that putting together the exhaust system is going to be the worst thing. I'm waiting on one part to finish the engine. And then after that, we can basically put the thing together. Uh, I might have to get like one wheel, maybe. I don't know, but... I have to still do a few measurements and a few little tweaks here and there, but we're coming along pretty well. Hopefully we can make the uh, New Hampshire Motor Speedway race in mid-April. And uh, with all that being said, let's get into lap number one. For lap number one this week, we are going to talk about the recently released changes to the rules package at our local speedway, Thompson Speedway Motorsports Park. I like I, I like to think that we try to touch on as much through the New England and national scene as possible, but we all know that we talk about mostly local southern New England stuff and that this has caused kind of a rift between the divisions and especially the division that I typically race in, the limited sportsman division. But really, I think everything that's been going on with the racetrack has been touching a chord with all the racers lately. And especially with the reduction in purse and the reduction in races. And now they come out with the rules package that, that I find quite, uh, well, not helpful in the long term, It might be helpful, but anyway, I should just get into it and then we should discuss it as soon as I, I lay the, the whole groundwork for this thing out. Okay. So for all divisions, they took and said, okay, well they can't allow, uh, aluminum metering blocks in all holly carburetors and i'm like well i didn't think they allowed that anyway because it's like an hp part so whatever this is kind of a meaningless rule to me for the sk modifieds they said the 
Big House 002, I think it's called, Carburetor Spacer is mandatory, and that's a Stafford rule. For the SK Light Division, they added a rule where you can't have cambered rears. Again, that's probably somebody trying to exploit a, uh, a something in the rule book that wasn't explicitly written down, so somebody had to change it because they didn't want that to begin with, and somebody left it out. Late models, they said any changes listed in the ACT rules, except they're going to remove the restrictor plate on, I think it's a 1.6-inch restrictor plate on the Ford engines for testing and rule adjustments in the future. I guess they're going to take it off and see how they perform and then adjust as necessary type of deal, which... I don't know. Anytime they had the Fords unregulated in the ACT, they really kind of ruled the roost. And now they're taking it off and saying, well, I don't know if they're really, you know, that fast. And it's like, well, we all know that from the beginning. I mean, <laughs> that's why they put them on to begin with. Getting into the touchiest subject of all is is the limited sportsman rules. And this is the one that touches home to me because this is the division that I raced in at the track that I raced at. And it's really ruffling a lot of the feathers of the people that I know. So that's why it's really kind of a sore subject for me and for everybody around me. So that's why I'm going to talk about it on my podcast. <clears throat> There's multiple different rule changes or additions made for the limited sportsmen this year. First of all, they're going to allow the Malibu station wagons with a, well, the bodies themselves, but they're going to allow them to run a two inch spoiler where the maximum for normal cars, a four inch spoiler, um, Okay, whatever. I know the 79, I think, 79 and 80, they they had a Malibu station wagon. So, I mean, it is technically a stock body. Okay, whatever. I don't care. You know, it didn't really make that much difference. I wonder I how many care. station wagons we're going to see this year. All of them, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, Would I, you do it? No, because I'm too lazy. Um, so, they've also changed the rules to comply with all of the Stafford rules for the front-end geometry, like steering linkage and suspension components, as listed in the Stafford Motor Speedway rules. Like, you can now run different ball joints, and you can run adjustable center links, and you can do different... Like like I said, it's just all geometry stuff. And that's got to got a lot of guys up in arms, too, and that's going to probably cost some people some money because now you're going to be playing with ball joint heights, and you're going to be playing with the center link, which I already had, but they wouldn't let me run it after they found out I had it. <laughs> but it wasn't explicitly written in the rules. Um, they also said, okay, you're going to allow headers on the crate engine only, and they're going to put the open engine cars down 25 pounds to 29.75. They allow rear windows, which we were running last year anyway, so who gives a darn? Um, but now it's explicitly allowed. And then they said the Ford 9-inch rear is going to be allowed and they said the details of which will be released when they release the full rule package. Now, I guarantee they're not going to run a full floating rear axle. They're going to run bolt-in axles because the full floaters, you might as well just tack twice the price on for those. And they basically the only reason they went to a 9-inch rear from what I was told was because of this the increasing scarcity. I wouldn't say the scarcity of parts for the GM 7.5-inch rear, but the scarcity of parts in the future for the the that particular rear end plus the nine inches is a very easy unit to get parts for it's very very durable especially for the power level these cars are putting down so in the future it might be a good reason but the reason why it's ruffling so many feathers is that these rule packages like allowing headers with the 602 crate only and only allowing a 25 uh, pound weight reduction in the open motor cars I mean, you might as well just take the open motor and throw it away now. I mean, it's all done. I mean, they were getting... I've been on both sides of the fence. Phil's been on both sides of the fence. My brother's been an open motor guy his whole life. I mean, they've had a lot of time to iron it out and do whatever they can with the rule book. And as soon as the crates got implemented, he got basically forced to relative obscurity very, very quickly. How many people are running crates right now? Most of them. Most of them. I mean... And Jesse's not racing this year. Jesse's not racing because he can't afford it who anyway. Else, who else runs Built Motors? Jeff Van Pelt. Uh, some of the other guys like Midpack and stuff now because they can't keep up. I mean, Yikes. one of the reasons I went to a crate engine was because I knew the writing was on the wall. And I knew that we were going to get forced out eventually. But I also knew that there were a lot of other facilities around that I could take my car with a crate engine, like a 602, and go race it. Yep. Without really any issue. But 
to allow only a 25% or 25 pound weight reduction in an open motor does absolutely nothing. I mean, I ran a hundred extra pounds in my car last year once, and I, I, I finished in at least the top three with that. I mean, I was running a hundred extra pounds in my car with a crate engine. I still finished top three. So 25 pounds is nothing for an open engine car. And like I said, with allowing headers now, well, hello, 25 horsepower to the crate engines. That's just going to make them even more fast or faster. I should say it widens the gap. Yeah. So all the guys running mid pack are going to be running at the back. Exactly. So if you don't have a crate motor now, you're even more stuff than you were before. So I, I speak because yeah, I might own a crate engine. Yeah. I might've had some success with it last year, finally figuring it out, but I empathize with the open motor guys. I really do. I mean, I empathize with them to the fullest degree because I lived that life. You know, I got a majority of my wins with an open motor, but that was as crate engines were just starting to get figured out by everybody. And I still had kind of an advantage because I had the open motor figured out. But I took that open motor that we'd won a bunch of races with and we put it in Moose Downton's car last year, basically untouched. And he couldn't, he could barely get a top 10 with it. And this is a guy with three championships and over 50 wins and at many different racetracks, super successful in anything he steps foot in. And I mean, the motor just, it, it has nothing against what's out there. So like I said, it, it's, it's an obvious phase out. You might as well have just told guys not to come back with an open motor. You might as well have just said, Hey, these things aren't legal anymore. Like I, I love parody. I will say I, I like freedom of choice. I like the idea that you can take and you can build your own motor and you can do whatever you want, like to within rules to make it your own change timing here, change this, change that, make it a little bit, what make it whatever you want to do within the tolerance of the rules. But when you, you basically phase that commit, uh, phase that out completely, it forces the hand of everybody because <laughs> Now they're just stuffed. I mean, they're completely stuffed. I was talking to a few guys, and they're like, yeah, I'm not coming back this year. Two, time for new divisions. What's that? Time for new divisions. Oh, there's already too many to begin Built with. sportsmen and crate sportsmen. Don't even get me stuck. Yeah, run two separate races in one, like a GT race or something. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and the winner of the crate feature and the winner of the open feature and have two guys in victory lane. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that'll solve the problem. Nope. No, but... It just really stinks. I mean, I was listening to the podcast, um, Bottom Shot Podcast from Stafford Motor Speedway. They're talking to Doug, Gug, uh, Doug Kobe. Glug Doby. Glug Doby. <laughs> they were talking to him, and he was the last Stafford Motor Speedway Pro Stock champion that they had before Stafford Motor Speedway said, hey, by the way, um, we're not letting you guys come back next year. We're dissolving the division. And he said, yeah, when I had a chance to sell this car it was worth x amount and because they got rid of the division we got like an eighth of that price or something they they Ouch. they lost their asses when they sold those cars because there was nowhere to run them riverside shut down thompson had a different car so stafford pro stocks were different than everywhere else and it's like great now our fifty thousand dollar pro stocks are completely worthless that's not the same situation here but now you're talking about saying well, now my five to ten, well, let's say six to ten or twelve thousand dollar open engine is completely a boat anchor. It's it's not worth anything now. Stick it in a mini stock, finish sixth all the time. <laughs> I think they'll know. <laughs> I, I really do. He's I think, hit the I brakes think on the last know. lap. <laughs> well, this brings up a good point because when you change the rules this much, especially to a division. That was seeing pretty good car counts. I mean, we were we were between twenty to thirty on average uh, all year. I mean, I think we averaged about low to mid twenties. The highest was like thirty four. I think the lowest one night was seventeen because it was a weird night, but it never got any lower than under twenty at any point. I think I, I think the lowest I'd saw on average was twenty three. But now, you're probably gonna lose eight plus cars out of that even more maybe because their engines are now anchors and you can't use them at all because you've given every single advantage away to these crate engines and now a little birdie told me 
via text message while I was visiting my mother in the hospital that this decision was not exactly the decision made up by the actual tech inspectors themselves. I won't say who exactly this was from, but the people who look at your car after you finish a race, this wasn't their idea from what I've heard. Again, I'm not trying to give away any names or anything, but that's what I've heard. And this is from a quite a reliable source who shall remain nameless. Anyway, I have one more division so I, so I can stop ranting about this. I think everybody gets my point. So to finish out all the rule changes, the mini stock's got a little rule change. It says they allow the Ford 8.8 rear with the stock rear discs, and they removed a rule about spoiler angle. Whatever happened to those front-wheel drive Volkswagens that always used to crash into each other like eight years ago? Uh, they changed the rules, and none of them came back. Where did they go? They probably went in the backyard somewhere. Who were they? Oh, there was a bunch of guys who used to run front-wheel drive stuff at Thompson, and then they changed the rules to favor, get this, they changed the rules to favor something, and they got rid of a whole bunch of cars to, by doing it. Doesn't that sound familiar? Boy, that sounds real familiar. Doesn't that sound really familiar? I... Yeah, they used to run my first race in a mini stock. Well, my first full season. The Icebreaker, I went there. I think there were 30 plus cars for a mini stock race now there's like 14 i mean the affordability hasn't changed that much it wasn't that affordable when you did it <laughs> not at all <laughs> like it was but just so angering you were always breaking crankshafts and uh, every eight races I every broke the crankshaft eight races in half. yeah it was awful right in half it's like the first race i ever went up there to see you do second practice you blew up Yep, lifted going into turn one, and the bottom end of the car fell out. It's like, what the (laughs) heck? What is that? I was like, well, we're done again. Like, I've never understood how people do anything with minis. Not to really knock the mini stock drivers, but damn, guys. I've told told numerous mini stock guys numerous times, I said, sell that thing before you regret it. They're all pigs. Not Not the drivers, the cars. They are. They're not designed with what they're running. Essentially, if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, the Thompson Mini Stock Division and Waterford Mini Stock Division, essentially the same thing, are dominated by Fox Body Mustangs, and they all run the overhead cam 2.3. So basically single single cam, you know, 2.3. They're pretty what, slow. I forget what it's called, Lima Engine. I, I, that might be the old one. I don't remember what the hell they're called. But It's like it was so frustrating to watch those races like when you were racing because it was like... You always ran out of time to make any moves. It was so difficult to make moves. So annoying. And on a track that big, it's so hard on the car. We're pulling 7,500 RPMs out of an engine that was barely built to do 5,500. Yeah. (laughs) And I snapped crankshafts every eight races. Snapped in half every eight races. Not a rod, not a main cap, the crank itself snapped in half. I know somebody will probably be like, well, you're doing it wrong. And I'm like, well, I'm not building the engine, so. Why didn't they ever allow forged crankshafts? I think they eventually did. Oh, fat yeah. lot of good it did you now. Yeah, after I built, after I blew up like what five or six engines heck, and ruined my Thompson. career. Really? Although I did get a real nice shiny ring out of it when you sold that race car. Yeah, you still got that ring, which is good. So Wearing it right now. <laughs> I'm happy about that. <laughs> Oh, selling that mini stock was the greatest racing decision I ever made. Yep. It really was, because I moved to a division that actually, in the long run, has been more affordable, because I haven't blown engines up every eight races. Wait a sec. You said more affordable. I feel like that should be in air quotes. I did put that in air quotes. Anyway. I can't wait to get my new kitchen. Oh, yeah, I know. Anyway. (laughs) Why don't we move into lab number two? So for lap number two this week, we're going to do our usual recap of the weekend's NASCAR races. I know everybody who listens to this has probably watched them already. I didn't. But good. Somebody out there can actually hear the recap of what went on at Las Vegas this weekend. Okay. Okay, good. I'll recap it for my wife. This was the first race of the year that Kyle Busch got to run. I think they only allow like five races for cut people in trucks and Xfinity now or something. They, they really limit their starts. Like, if you're full-time for a certain amount of experience, you only get a handful of races now. And I think that's the Kyle Busch rule. But anyway, um, because he wins, which, guess what? He won the truck race on Friday night. So afterwards, I fell asleep because it was super boring. 
like and it was at like 10 30 at night and i had to work the next day so i had the tv on in the bedroom and i'm like 15 to go kyle bush is leading by five seconds i think i'll turn this off and i didn't miss a damn thing i'm not a <laughs> kyle bush fan i appreciate what he can do behind the wheel i just don't like his personality at all ditto anyway um so afterwards kevin harvick decides hey this is a great idea for like publicity and for bringing attention to the sport and marketing and stuff so i'm gonna say let's put a fifty thousand dollar bounty on whoever can beat kyle bush or on kyle bush so that whoever beats him gets that money i don't know what the hell i'm talking about wow 50 grand go beat him full-time cup drivers only i'll get into that then camping world camping world ceo or is it Camping World now? I don't even I don't remember know. what the hell they are. Camping World RV or something. I don't know what the hell they're called. They change their names like every year. Marcus Limonis, I think that's his name, matched his bounty to bring it up to $100,000. So then Harvick goes out and says, okay, well, here's the stipulations. You can't wreck him and you can't spin him out and you, it has to be for full-time cup drivers only. I'm like, wait, why, you get, why is it going to be full-time cup drivers only? <laughs> like, why do you, why does it have to be a full-time cup driver what if some truck driver just goes out and beats him you know what i mean what if he just goes out and just runs away from him and he just can't catch him over the last few laps and just what if he beats him is priest a full-time cup driver yes priest is a full-time cup driver he doesn't run truck anyway oh i hope he wins it he should go run it totally (laughs) well there's a bunch of cup drivers who are saying hey why don't we go race like denny hamlin is asking people like hey who wants to sponsor a truck ride so i can go kick his ass and uh, I, like I think this. Austin Dillon was quoted as saying on Twitter, hey, we still got a bunch of truck jigs over at RCR. Why don't we go build ourselves a truck? I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Um, but like I said, I'm, I'm kind of mad that it's just for cup drivers only. Like, why does it have to be a cup driver? Why, why does it have to be an exclusivity thing? You know, like cup drivers are going to be the only ones who can beat them, which... To be fair, uh, it's kind of been the case, so I got to give him a little bit of credit on this one. But priest, priest, he's our man. If he can't do it, who? maybe somebody else can. Well, <laughs> I'll get into how Ryan did f in the next segment when we touch on the cup race, because <laughs> oh dear, this doesn't sound good. Eh, it's not. But oh, anyway, what the heck? Kyle Busch has four more races remaining on his schedule, so anybody who can beat him, who's a full-time cup driver. In the next four races, we'll win a hundred grand, or maybe he'll donate it to charity. Who knows? Damn, our house didn't even cost a hundred grand. Hey, it will in the end. Well, yeah, we anyway, definitely uh, anyway, more than that uh, <laughs> anyway, um, when we bought it, yeah. Anyway, that's fair. so the next race out was not the Xfinity race. Well, technically it was, but they only made like twenty laps or something, and they got rained out. On Saturday, or no, it was like 20 laps remaining in segment two, or I don't remember how much. They definitely didn't make halfway. I still don't understand segment races. I'll explain it later. <laughs> but, um... So, I don't bother because I think it's a dumb idea. Yeah, me too, but, I mean, again, I'll get into it later. Girls hate segment races, NASCAR. Yeah, boring. Yeah. Um. So, technically, the next full race that ran after the truck race was the cup race which Joey Logano ended up winning. But before the race, NASCAR came out and made an announcement on Ryan Newman, and they did their whole, like, they were provided a timeline of his extrication and rescue, and they went through all of the red tape procedures that they wanted to announce and all this other stuff. But anyway, they said he has a head injury, and he has no timetable for his return. I'm like, well, no joke, because obviously he's got a head injury if he's not racing. I'm thinking it's some kind of a severe concussion. I'm not sure how bad it is, but it's obviously not that bad if he's walking out of a hospital in two days. Yeah, right. No timetable for his return, which is obvious because you can't put a timetable on head injuries whatsoever because it's you, everybody heals differently. Head injuries are much more uh, researched thing now than they ever have been in throughout time. Like before, if you got hit in the head and you were, quote, seeing stars or you just blacked out and came back or a little bit you know little concussed it wasn't really a big deal and you just go race like guys would do that all the time and it's super bad for you apparently so but yeah they're going to give him as much time as he needs to heal uh ross chastain was actually picked to uh field the car for ryan newman in his absence 
which surprised me quite a bit because he's not really a Ford driver. Like, they tend to stay within the manufacturer stable when they're going to pick a replacement driver. But Ross races for Chevy in Xfinity and in trucks. So it was kind of weird for me to hear his name come up as being the replacement driver in the six car. But anyway, the racing itself for the Las Vegas race was a lot better than I expected. There was a lot of multi-groove racing, a lot of tire fall off, um, not much in the way of like crashes or real heavy accidents or incidents. Not really anybody got wrecked. A couple guys hit the fence and watered up the right side of their car and had tire problems and hit the wall because of it. But nothing really major. Uh, I feel really bad for Ryan Blaney. He was in position to win that race very late, like four laps to go, and caution came out. And Alex Bowman was the fastest car on the racetrack. I kind of feel bad for him, too, because he was catching Blaney. Who knows if he could have got by him. But caution came out, and with tires being the way they were, everybody decided to come down and pit, except for seven cars. And that created enough of a buffer between the cars that came down and pit and the cars that stayed out that basically Joey Logano stayed out on accident, apparently. that's I put that in air quotes. Apparently, he stayed out on accident. How do you stay out by accident? Oh, he claimed he didn't hear him say that they called him into pit road. He's like, what? What's happening? I didn't know what you said. So he stayed out. I just think he stayed out on his own because he wanted to. That sounds like something <laughs> the cat would do. What? What are you guys doing? Huh? Huh? I, I didn't hear you. What? I'm still on the table. I'm not going to get down. But anyway, like like I said, they created two, the seven cars that stayed out was way too big of a buffer between the cars that got tires and the cars that stayed out for a green-white checker to anybody to overcome that. And again, Logano cruised to a victory. Uh, Matt Benedetto finished, P, uh, finished in uh, second place with the Wood Brothers team with his brand-new ride. Second race of the year, finished second. I mean, that that matches his best finish ever in the cup series. And that was in very short order in only second race with the new team. He finishes, he, well, ties his best finish. Uh, another noteworthy performance is Bubba Wallace finished sixth. That was another really good team, uh, or good run for that team. I know that the new Camaro bodies guys are ranting and raving over them. I guess they're enjoying them. I guess there is a lot more performance out of them. Like they're not as lame as they were last year. Uh, I got to touch on Ryan Priest cause he's our local boy. Um, for the second race in a row, Ryan was up to second place before something happened to knock him out of the event. Again. Again. What the heck? Um, they just got it out for him because he's pretty. <laughs> Your words. <laughs> uh, but no, in Daytona, he was up to second or third and got wiped out in a wreck. Yep. That was not his fault at Daytona. That was, I don't think it was his fault. Uh, I didn't see the one this weekend. It wasn't even a wreck. Uh, oh. they, they took the yellow with like 30-something to go, or I, f- I forget. It wasn't It wasn't very long into the race. I think it was like 40 to go. I think he and Stenhouse teammates stayed out when everybody was making green flag pit stops, and they ended up getting a caution to fall their way. So it was like him, his teammate, Sten- Ricky Stenhouse, and then one other car. It might have been John Hunter Nemechek who were the only three cars on the lead lap at the time when the caution flew. So they could basically come down and pit. Everybody else would have to take the wave around, and they would start first, second, third with fresh tires for the last restart, or what could have been the last restart before that one that happened with four to go. So they would have had awesome track position. They would have had fresh tires, and they would have had all their adjustments done, and they would have had to do it, and they wouldn't even have to hurry. They could have just done it and got out. And not had any issue with retaining their position on the racetrack. But under caution, Ryan's engine blew up. Oh, what the heck? Lame. He's just riding around under caution. Poof. Yep. Hey, it sounds like crap. Poof. Mm. Just blows up. Like, really? Like, come on. Like, <laughs> they have rev limiters. He's not out there flooring it under caution with the right. clutch in. I mean, come on. Come right. on. The thing just breaks on him. Just up and breaks under caution. He has to coast the thing in. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Can this guy catch a break for once? So that Wow. Was, that That's was... so lame. Yeah. But at least he's showing people that he's there when he does 
fall out, <laughs> fall out of a race because of something stupid. He can do it. Uh, oh well. Hopefully they get that new Camaro body figured out, and they can they can get a lot of good input with a, a seasoned driver like Stenhouse in as a teammate because Ricky's been putting in some really strong runs the first two races of the year. So I'm optimistic. Hopefully they can turn that team into a front runner. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing that, especially with the Xfinity race, which I'm going to talk about now. This race was rained out, uh, but I noticed, and it ran after the Cup Series race on Sunday at about 7.30 Eastern. I've noticed with the Xfinity Series, there's been a real trend with with people, like low-dollar teams, finding some relative success. Like, they're getting full fields. But, like, I'm seeing guys like Brandon Brown in a very low-dollar team. He's running top 15s. And I see Ryan Sieg, who's, I think, a single-car team. And he was up front all night. I think he finished second or third in the Xfinity Series race uh, Sunday. Uh, winner was Chase Briscoe. I think he's running the only Stuart Haas car this year because Cole Custer went up to Cup. They didn't even know if they're going to really keep the team running, but I guess they kept it going with one car, and Chase put it in victory lane for this uh, third career win. Uh, so that starts his year off pretty well. Stuart Haas is a good organization, especially on both sides of the of the Cup Series and Xfinity Series. So it's nice to see them guys do do well. Um, it was entertaining to watch, but it strung out really fast. Um, Cars moved around a lot. They got a lot less spoiler. I think they might even have a little more power than Cup. I'd have to look into that. Ross Chastain was pretty entertaining to watch in any race that he entered. I think he ran the tri- uh, the triple this weekend. I think he ran Trucks, Cup, and Xfinity. He was entertaining to watch go through the field because he would pass everybody in the Truck Series race multiple times. He'd get a pit road penalty or something dumb would happen, and he'd have to pass the whole field again. He did the he did really well in Cup until he and Kurt Busch got together and he had to pit for damage and he went a lap down but he was solid top 10 top 15 in the six car and he was fast in practice for that thing and then in the xfinity series with the colleague car he was fast again i i I think he might have led some laps but i think he also had a pit road penalty or something happened and he had to go to the back and didn't finish quite what the car was up to but it was really entertaining to watch him race again um I think the Xfinity race got a little bit boring. Like, it got strung out a lot quicker. The Cup Series, they can push a lot more drag and get cars to bunch up to them quicker and make the race a little more interesting with that big spoiler. Luckily, they did something with the tire and made it fall off more so that it was a lot more entertaining to watch uh, because it made them slide around more instead of being slot cars. I think they're trending towards a better direction with that package. Uh, But the Xfinity Series race was... It was eventful at times, but... Uh, it did string out a little bit, but it was still entertaining. I I didn't mind it at all. Um, so the only real controversy that really happened, and I want to touch on this because it's so stupid, was media member and motorsport, I think he's from motorsport.com, oh, yeah. <laughs> Jim, Jim Utter decided that after a very, I'd say strange questioning line from one of the people in the media center that nobody knew who they were, uh, the, he says on Twitter to somebody, I don't know, the guy was kind of weird, must be a barstool thing. And I'm like, ooh, don't say that. He threw some real shade. I'm like, don't say it. Don't go there. You don't want to go there. And so he he basically throws barstool sports under the bus for this for this weird guy who's asking really weird questions to Denny, or not Denny Hamlin, uh, to Joey Logano. And Joey's just kind of like, I don't have any idea how to answer that. <laughs> What were the weird questions? Oh, I don't even know what they were. They were poorly worded and just kind of rambling at best. And I don't even know what the hell the guy was even talking about. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Next question. But I, he, but Utter comes out and says, oh, yeah, it must be a barstool thing. And I'm like, oh, God, he just That's walked, the wrong utterance. He just, he just walked into the bear trap. <laughs> like, this is not going to be good. So people start you know coming after him on twitter being like uh yeah that wasn't barstool and you're kind of biting the hand that's bringing a lot of people to nascar and doing positive things for the sport and he basically replied with one word he goes yawn (gasps) i'm like that's really rude i'm like that's rude that's facetious i'm like okay now he's really in for it so barstool replies he blocks them also rude dave portnoy says you can't block me in real life 
Ooh. Come on my podcast so that I can emasculate you and send you quivering back to wherever he said he said. And he got blocked too. So instead of the guy, like, admitting that he's an asshole and admitting that he was wrong to just assume something. Oh, he just. He just comes out and it says. It, it just keeps making it worse. And other, other media types are saying the same thing. Like, just, they're almost defending the guy when it's like, no. If you screw up, you say, hey, man, I'm sorry. That was kind of stupid for me to assume that. But no, these people have the ego that won't allow them to utter any sort of fault whatsoever. So they come out and say, well, I don't really care. Your opinion's meaningless to me, even if I'm wrong. Blocked. Just block everybody. And it's like, just way to to tell everybody you're an asshole. He must be fun at parties. I know, right? It's like, if you're wrong, admit you're wrong. Right? Uh, come on. <laughs> it's a learning moment, but... Yeah, wow. that's the that's the problem with a lot of media members is that they don't have the humility to admit that their ego gets the best of them because I think their ego is the only thing keeping them in the sport. You know, when it comes to media, there's, there's a lot of crapping on media in this podcast, and I used to work in journalism... And frankly, the quality has just gone downhill the past 15 years. I feel like we're justified. Yeah, really. I mean, I don't know if it's a problem because a lot of people aren't getting paid. You know, the volunteer media members do a great job because they actually care about the sport. But the people who are actually paid to report on this stuff, they're not paid much. You get the bottom of the barrel talent. You know, it's really sad. Media journalism has just declined so much. I mean, I don't know if you could call me media, but it's like, if I'm wrong, I will immediately change my response and be yeah, like, you know what? what I stink. What you should do. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I was totally wrong. Sorry. I will even issue an apology or a retraction or a correction on the show. Right. I mean, do newspapers I've done that do plenty that of times. Well, here's the thing about that, and I, I hate to make it a social commentary at this point, but it's like... Yeah, why not? You see a newspaper or, or, or a media source go out and literally post something completely flagrantly false oh, yeah. under the under the pretense of knowing that they can just go and put the tiniest little blurb on section E that says, hey, by the way, we retract this story. And nobody will read it, but you'll see that big-ass headline from the day before. Well, I think a lot of it, like going back to Ryan Newman's crash, how many people were trying to get the story first and just making up crap? Oh my god! I can't even oh tell you how many. God. I can't tell you how many people I read. It's certainly not journalism best practices there. Who, I mean, the people who wrote stuff like, "Oh, I watched them perform CPR on him as he went into the which the is ambulance. a total lie. I mean, I watched the video. There's a 17 minute video that I saw on like Race Day CT posted the link to it or something, and I watched it. There's no CPR. Yeah, he basically you, gets in the ambulance and he's like pulling his mask off his face or something. Did you see the? Did you see? The I watched video? the videos. I watched. Like, I watched a bunch of videos. Yeah, I don't know. So it's just like, oh my god, way to be proven that you were fabricating it. I know the media takes such, such a crap. such a beating. The media takes such a beating nowadays, but I, they don't really do anything to make it better. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. Oh my god, right? Do, I wonder why we can't just you know make it better. Please tell any standards. Just tell the truth. They right. did. You know what? I will give a lot of the mainstream people a lot of credit. I touched on it last week. When the Ryan Newman thing came out, all the mainstream people didn't report anything. That's true. They didn't say a thing. Yep. It was all these other idiots who said this stuff. Yep. It was all the wannabe reporters on Facebook who were sitting in the grandstand taking video with their potato-ass cell phone from 100 yards away where they can't zoom in clearly. Oh, yeah. And it looks like crap the whole time, but they'll post it on YouTube and get 250,000 views on it. I don't know. All right, I'm pretty sick of ragging on media Bring integrity back to journalism, please, for the love of God. I mean, I'm not the most integral. What's the word I'm looking for here? (laughs) I was going to say integral, but I'm like, but it's kind of my podcast, so it matters. (laughs) No. Yeah, but a podcast can be argued that a lot of it's mostly opinion, too. So Essentially, podcasts are all opinion. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of different. It's not like you're rushing on a deadline to get a story out or, or whatever. And I do use the precursor of, don't listen to me if I have an opinion. We're you know 11 I mean? podcasts in. <laughs> I'm the producer. 
All right, we need a refill on drinks. So let's go to lap number three. So for lap number three this week, I'm going to start off with a little bit of public shaming. But it'll be anonymous public shaming because I spend a lot of time on Twitter scouring the pages of iRacing and regular racing media sites and whatever for show ideas and just general news articles that I can keep track of because I just like to, it's racing is my hobby. I like to keep track of everything that's going on regardless of if it's north, south, east, west, Europe, Canada, Mexico, doesn't matter. We're crapping on the iRacers again. <laughs> no, this is a, this is just a public service announcement slash anonymous public shaming of some iRacers, and I'm going to admit that. But I was reading Twitter, and I came across a post from an iRacer who I believe is racing in the top series of iRacing. I think it's the new Coca-Cola iRacing series. Top series of iRacing. NASCAR iRacing. So is this like in Mario Kart, you've got like the Mushroom Cup and the other cup and the star cup i think we should just name it that from now on <laughs> definitely like, like the cup series for like the nascar cup series on iRacing we're gonna call it the what's the top one in i think it's the star cup we're gonna call that the star cup and then what was what's the, the next one? one down is it the fire cup fire cup and then mushroom cup or something yeah, like mushroom that cup was the easiest one okay so truck series is gonna be mushroom cup no, that's me. Oh, and there's also Special Cup, which had Rainbow Road, We're not which go Phil with... says he could totally beat my ass on. I doubt it. Anyway. I don't know. I kind of suck at Rainbow Road. Yeah, I don't like it because I fall off like every corner. Phil should have come over tonight, and then, like, tonight would have been the perfect night if he was so indisposed. I bet you I probably would have beat him. I think his couch has his outline on it from being so indisposed. Anyway. <laughs> that's what you get for not being here, Phil. Yep. Anyway, um, but I was reading Twitter, and I read a tweet from an iRacer who, again, I'm going to publicly shame because of reasons. I will explain. And old man yells at cloud. This is the old man yelling at the cloud. This is me. I read a post that this anonymous iRacer wrote that said, and I'm not going to quote it quote word for word because I don't want people bothering him because I'm not being that much of a jerk. I'm just saying this because this is my belief. But he put on there about him working, I think he said nine hours and running 600 plus laps for practice to, to get prepared for this week's race. And I'm like, really? Nine hours of work, huh? I can do that in one night on my real race car, but I don't post on Twitter that I've spent nine hours in my garage in one night. I just go out there and bust my knuckles and do it. I don't like it when anybody posts how long they work on something. If you work on something, you're going to work on it. I don't want you showing me how long you work on it because I don't care. It's just you saying, hey, look how awesome I am. Look how much work I'm putting in. Look how serious I am about doing what I enjoy. I can't even begin to count how many hours I've worked in my garage on my real race car. Because when I'm working my normal job and racing full-time, I will easily spend 40 to 60 hours every week busting knuckles on that race car. Yeah, I won't see you during race season. Ever. Nope. But I'm not on Twitter posting pictures and saying, hey guys, I just spent my 59th and 60th hour in the garage right now. Oh my god, maybe you should. No, because I think it's douchey. <laughs> I'm not I'm not kidding. I'm like I'm like, hooray, somebody finally figured out what work is and now they're just gonna tell the world how much they're doing it. No? I'm just trying to think about how awful I would sound if I posted what I did while you're in the garage all the time. Oh god, what's his name? Oh my god, no, it's sorting <laughs> buttons. Oh, phew. Man, that was close. <laughs> Most of the time, I'm sorting buttons. I have to go now. <laughs> I can get into buttons. Oh, uh, no, it's... <laughs> yeah, but I don't see you posting, hey, I've been standing at this, you know, counter with my button sorting tray and, and like, putting things in jars for 12 hours. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I, the worst I ever did was, like, 
I think 60 seconds on Instagram that was a hyperlapse video of like a six minute bag sort. Yeah, but that's and like my a, dad was like, "This is like watching paint dry." I'm like, "Yeah, no, sh- try it in seriously? real life." Try- <laughs> yeah, thanks. Try try watching it in real life. All right, pal. <laughs> oh, please tell me you have it. Well, no, no, you haven't. I haven't what watched me sort buttons. I come in there all the time, but I'm in there in like ten second intervals. Like, how's it going in here? Okay, I'm bored. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so for all our listeners. That's what I do. I sort buttons. I sell them on Etsy. I know that's the most HGTV comment I could ever make in my entire life. But that's a Pinterest comment right there. No, it's HGTV. You know, when you're watching those shows and it's like, oh, I sell buttons on Etsy and I'm a part time mailman. Our budget's three million dollars. Like, no, it doesn't make that much money. But, you know, I write bad poetry and she collects like dog fur. (laughs) Our budget's $10 million for this you know, house. Some people make, like, some people collect cat fur and they make clothing out of it, which is the most. I didn't say she made the clothing. I, I don't just do said that. she collects just, cat ew, fur. Ew, ew, ew. <laughs> Back to racing. But anyway, like I said, I think it's just like these guys just have to learn. It's it's a new thing for them that they work in racing. It's like, bro, it's you like, sat in front of a computer for nine hours. Man, your right hand must be tired from clicking that mouse. But it's like, I don't care how how long you work on it because the cold hard facts are this. You sound douchey if you tell people how much you're working on something. Like, look at me. Look how serious I am. Look how hard I work at this. <laughs> and then if you don't win, boy, you look like such a loser. You spent, you know, exactly. nine hours doing, what, 600 laps or whatever the hell it was. Seriously? Like... I'm not trying There's to, a world out there. I'm not trying to turn this into a comparison between real racers and well, iRacers. Yes, you are. In some way, I can. But I'm not out there. Like I said, if somebody is doing it in real life, I hate that too. Like, seriously. Like, oh, since when has it turned into a point of pride? I mean, God, back in the 90s, if we said we played a video game all day, our parents would be like, you know, maybe you should see somebody about like, that. Like, I'm going to throw your Final Fantasy away. Yeah, right. Like go outside. You're pasty. Final Fantasy III was amazing. <laughs> like I just spent a hundred hours on this console game. It's if like, you hit a hundred hours on Final Fantasy III, like something happens. I think as I think my game is actually at like ninety nine hours and twenty four minutes, and I just refuse to save it anymore. Maybe you should go no, back I into really it. Don't want to go into it. No, I'll just start a new game if I want to start over. You're just too busy. I haven't played Final Fantasy 3 in like 10 years, but my game is still saved on there from like 1998. And yes, people, I understand. Real racers will always, 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 it's not even up for debate. It's not even a question who works harder. Real racers always work harder. Yeah, try dropping a transmission on your foot. Try dropping one on your chest. Yeah. I I don't have a tranny jack, so I have to bench press my transmissions into place so then tell me that you don't work or that you work hard i understand that they are working and i put that in air quotes because they have to try a lot of stuff they have to really use their brain working it's it's brain work they're doing a lot of brain work yeah i'll give them that but it's nowhere near as tedious as real work but oh i I might argue it's tedious it's nowhere near as tedious physically like I said, it's a different type of tedious. Yeah, it is a different type of tedious, but you're not doing it for 60 hours a week. You're doing it for nine. So like I said, I don't want to hear about how long you're working. I don't want to hear. I don't like I said, if I see somebody posting on Instagram that they're in their garage every single day, it's like, God, you're boring. <laughs> like, I don't I, you showed me this yesterday. You showed me it yesterday. But you're in your garage every your, single day. Dear. I am not posting it on Instagram, though. I'm not like, hey, I'm in the garage again. Hey, I'm in the garage again. Hey, I'm back in the garage for the third night in a row. Hey, I just hit 40 plus hours That's of working like on That's like those people car. on Facebook that do nothing but post selfies. Uh, it's like, hey, I'm in the bathroom. Hey, now I'm in a public bathroom. Now I'm in the Target bathroom. Look at me. I'm in the mirror. Doesn't my butt oh, look cute? Mirror selfies or actual selfies? Both. <laughs> like, how many of them can you see? I mean, we all have that Facebook friend who's like 40 and posting, you know... From every Target bathroom. I don't even why? post. I, here's why I'm still a sportsman driver. I don't post like anything. <laughs> Any, I don't post anything at all anymore. Like I, 
if I'm in the garage, I probably am on my phone trying to find something to watch on TV because I got a Chromecast in the garage. That's the only thing I'm using my phone for. I'm never taking pictures. I'm never self-promoting. This is why we've I'm still never racing really, uh, Like, okay, so we've been together for eight years. And to be honest, I don't think your posting frequency has really changed all that much. You'd post every once in a while, and it was always nice to see what you were up to. Yeah, you know, but like I said, I'm not... I mean, you could post more often, but I think we all could. I mean, God, I, I could post more to my different social media accounts, and I don't because I'm just too busy. It's not that I'm too busy. I, I won't admit that I'm too busy to post on social media. I will. It, I just admit that I'm too lazy to post on social media, or it just doesn't interest me I as get much. I so engrossed but in I'm what not, I'm doing, I just forget. I'm definitely, if there's one thing I'm not going to do, it's I'm absolutely not going to tell people how long I'm working on my car when I'm working on it normally. If people are concerned that I won't be able to make it to a race and like I'm in the points and people actually have some kind of like storyline behind it. Yeah, like, right. And it's like, like it's oh, two AM yeah. in the night before the World Series. And guess what? Yeah, guess what? The paint's still drying in my car. It. Yeah. <laughs> we we rolled it off the scales and it still doesn't have decals on it and it's two thirty in the morning. Yeah, like that, that's a story. That I'll post, but I'm not gonna say, hey, you know, we've been putting sixty hours a week in this car. It's like no, I'm not going to tell you. And if any point in the future, this, if at any point in the future I ever do this, people need to call me out on it. But I don't remember ever doing it in the past. Therefore, I don't have any reason to do it in the future. So, iRacers, I know you guys are new to this whole racing thing. I know you guys are new to this whole working on your racing thing. But STFU. <laughs> but seriously. <laughs> Everybody who has any sort of ambition or drive to succeed is working on their stuff. Real racers or iRacers. Or non-racers. Seriously, you don't have to boast about it because, number one, your hours don't compare at all to real racers. And number two, your effort doesn't compare at all to real racers. And number three, it's great that you're learning, but just don't. Just don't. It's douchey. It's it's, it's unnecessary. Bragging. It's it's humble bragging. Yeah. Like oh, it totally is. Don't humble brag. Yeah. Humble bragging sucks. I don't think I'm gonna keep continuing. I could talk about this all day. <laughs> so, Sounds good. Let's uh, go into lap number four, which is not existent. So let's wrap this thing up. So that's our show for this week. Thank you again to my wife for filling in. I appreciate your banter. I really do. It it actually kind of loosens up the the flow of uh, speaking or topics and stuff. I'm and really tired because I got home from work late and scarfed down dinner, and I'm just exhausted. Yeah, none of the co-hosts were available tonight, and I'm like, I don't want to do this alone, and I don't want to have to inconvenience somebody else last minute to call in. And it's like she's like, I'll do it, which I appreciate. <laughs> She takes like an hour and a half out of her night. And I think we gave everybody a decent reprieve after last week's show where we did. We kind of bombarded them with, I think, an hour and 45 minute show. This show has absolutely no time limit. Like, I don't set how long this show has to be because that's no. stressful. Yep. If I have a couple topics to talk about, I'm just going to talk about them. And when we're done talking about it, then we're done talking about it. Yep. It's like, oh, no, we have to make it one hour exactly. One hour. It's like, no, it's a podcast. Who gives a shit? You know, it's it's whatever we feel like, and that's it. But anyway, you can find this show on Facebook, facebook.com slash Making Laps Podcast, Instagram, at Making Laps Podcast. Those are the only two real social media platforms I typically like to use anyway. I'm not going to go on and use, like, Snap, Face, Chat, whatever you call it. I don't, I don't care. Too many social media, you know, Snapchat's too many for, like, cooks teenagers the, anyway. Too many cooks in the pot. You can find me at BrentGleason01 on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can look up our race team at Gleason Bros Racing or Facebook.com slash Gleason Bros Racing, or you can go on GleasonBrosRacing.com. You can find all the show listings for uh, podcast platforms on there. Dear, where can we find you at? Since I brought up buttons, I'm going to give up a different social media account this week than i did last week i think you've got like four instagram i accounts. have like five i have the is it max. five now it's five yeah because they won't <laughs> let me have any more i have two it's my own and the the, the show That's i have it. five but i really only update like a few of them at a time because i'm just too busy so yeah so my social media is blithe 
button on Instagram, which is B-L-I-T-H-E-B-U-T-T-O-N. And that's where I sort buttons. And in case you were really thinking, oh my God, what is she talking about? Is it really sewing buttons? Yes, it's sewing buttons. Y'all have your racing. I have my buttons. The girl's got to do something when her husband's in the garage for 60 hours a week and she doesn't have a new kitchen. But you can also (laughs) find me on Etsy, which is the same Blythe button. We all have our thing. Like, let's put it this way. The buttons is cheaper than therapy. And let me tell you something. People actually buy this stuff. Like, there's a whole there's a whole world of this stuff. I had no idea it even existed before I met her. Yeah, right. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) We'd go to the antique store, and he's like, "What the hell are you buying a jar of buttons for?" And I'm like, "Watch, and you shall learn." So anyway, there are actually race car buttons out there, and you can buy them at Joanne Fabrics. They actually have like Lightning McQueen. Don't give it away. Why? No, Lightning McQueen is at Joanne Fabrics, which is this coolest little thing. I mean, our son loves to come into the button room, and yes, I have a button room, and I he will the table for it. Yes, and he will dig through all of the toy shaped buttons and pull out all the race cars and line them up. Excuse me, and he thought it's he thinks it's the coolest thing, and the Lightning McQueen buttons he thinks are awesome too. So, if it exists, there is a button for it, and I'll just leave it at that. So what's your personal account if you want people to follow you on them? Sure. Last week I gave it up. It's Megan McGorry, M-E-G-A-N-M-C-G-O-R-Y on Instagram. You can see my photography and just sort of the day-to-day stuff if you ever want to see Brent out of the garage, if ever. She has a protected Twitter account, so don't even bother. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I haven't even been on Twitter in how many millions of years anyway, which is funny because I told you to get Twitter eight years ago and then I just left. I'm like, ah, three times the followers than I do. Yeah, I'm never on there, though. Like, I just, I, I signed up for Twitter. You know, I worked for an IT startup, and they're like, hey, go sign up for this new site. And I, this was 2007 when Twitter first started. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And so I'm like, what the hell is this site? Tweet, tweet, tweet. I'm a bird. LOL. And that's like my first tweet ever. It's so stupid. But yeah, I wow, just, great. I don't know. I like Instagram better because it just requires less explanation, I guess. Here's a photo. If you like it, great. If not, who cares? Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. I like it for that. I love Instagram. Anyway. So that's our show for this week. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, I think I gave away all the social media and website stuff already. I've already lost track of my thoughts. GleasonBrosRacing.com. I already did that. Okay, I remember now. Jeez, I'm so tired. Weren't we going to talk about my first race? We can save it. My only race. We... Do you want to talk about that now? Or Why do you the want to hell save not? Because, like, okay, so... Oh, so. All right, so we're not done yet. Hang yeah, no. We'll, we'll just put it in somewhere. This no, is... just, just do it now. Go Laugh ahead. number four. No, just go for it. I mean, <laughs> the wife's dying to tell this story. So. Okay, it's so stupid. Like, okay, you have co-hosts who actually have real racing experience. And this is my racing experience. It is so illegal, but it's a great story. And Statute it's like, of limitations is probably well over, honestly. Oh, God, it's like... F- 16 years ago i would hope so i don't know what it is i mean shoot there's like really worse crimes out there that have to do with all kinds of stuff (laughs) so yeah so statute of limitations i'm sure is way up on this and besides they'd have to catch me to do anything about it so like 16 years ago my friends and i we were all just kind of whatever it's three in the morning we all want dunkin donuts and at the time there was one 24-hour dunkin donut that was like nine miles up the highway and so my friend who drove a a car similar to mine was like let's race (laughs) to the dunkin donuts and this is so stupid this is how all teenagers die yep pretty much and i had a 1988 pontiac 6000 four-cylinder car (laughs) and he had a boat he had a 1989 pontiac bonneville and his speedometer went up to like 145 or something. And my speedometer went to 85. So that gives you an idea of how well matched these cars were. Not very. So I knew I'm going to lose. And I get on the highway and he just takes off. And I'm like, yeah, there is no way in hell I am catching that. So I let him get up out of sight. I'm like, the only way I'm going to win this is by psychologically just, you know, freaking him out. I'm like, he's not going to floor it all the way up the highway. It's nine miles from one exit to the other. This is if you live in Eastern Connecticut from exit 32 in Central Village to 41 in Dayville, nine miles. So he gets up out of sight and I'm like, I'll catch him. He's not going to speed forever. 
And so I just floored it as soon as he was out of sight. And it took me miles to catch him. And I'm going by him. And as I'm going by, he realizes it's me. And he starts flooring it. But by this point, we actually have to get off the highway. And it was pretty much a who's going to let off the gas first. And he did. So I won. But I guess his speedometer told me later that I was doing 95. And I won just by psyching him out. He didn't think I could ever catch him. I win. So that's my wife's racing experience, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that's it. That's why I'm a co-host. I <laughs> raced once in 2003 or something. I illegally street raced in my gigantic, <laughs> ugly boat of a car where the wheel fell off and I had to send it to the scrapyard when yeah, it finally died. That, that is how it died. It died at 198,000 miles when the wheel fell off on my way to work one day. <laughs> yep. I would put her in a car, but I think she would... Jesus, no, I suck in a go-kart. <laughs> I really do. You guys took me to F1 and I was so sore forever. And I'm like, and I sucked so bad. I was shocked at how much I sucked. I can only do well on like streets that I've grown up on. I scare you driving in my hometown. Although since we had a kid, I slowed down a lot. I I really do speed we, like everywhere now. Yeah, that go-karting trip was a Awful mistake because we showed you no mercy. Oh my god, I was so <laughs> stupid. Like I genuinely did not have fun. I'm sorry. That's okay. Okay, so anyway, I hope y'all tune in next week. Keep the dirty side down and stay out of the fence. <laughs>